This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Uh, Collie and I just moved to our new place this year. And one of the things that we had we had to do is that we had to, we had to well, do our place. We had to choose an interior designer to, to do that. Now, the thing about interior designers, yeah, I can hear Ashley sighing. The thing about interior designers is we've heard of some horror stories from our friends of designers who didn't follow uh, what they had agreed. And not just that, they made the customer pay for the mistakes that they made. So we were quite scared. Uh, and we, anyway, we just sent our uh, details and requirements to a renovation magazine to match us with uh, different interior designers. So they came up, came back to us with uh, five uh, different designers. So we were quite confused. How do we know which of the five uh, was the one that we can trust? There's no, we don't have any proof that they can they can uh, do the work properly. We've not seen any of their works. Uh, they have not worked in our house before, so we don't know whether uh, they, they can be trusted. So how do we choose one? Uh, what we did is, well, after meeting all five of them, uh, the... Uh, mag- the renovation magazine uh, gave us gave us call, and well, we told we were talking to the the, the magazine about this partic- this one particular interior designer that we thought was a bit rude. Yeah, so sh- so the magazine said, oh yeah, uh, we have also heard of many other people who thought that he he was rude too. Uh, and then we we said, okay, what about this other person that we're thinking of? Uh, he's not in the five, but uh, we just happened to see happened to meet them, and we thought that he's a uh, quite a nice guy. So the the renovation magazine said, yeah, uh, we also we also heard of many good reviews for this particular guy that you're thinking of. So because of what uh, this renovation uh, magazine staff said, we dis- we trusted our house uh, with this company. Trust is difficult. Trust is difficult when there is no evidence. So this is true for my renovation experience. Uh, this is true. For our general human experience, this is also true for uh, people f- wanting to find out where to catch the best Pokemon. Yeah. Okay, some, some people were doing just before the service started. Yeah. Uh, so, no one wants to believe in something that is unreliable. So, this is true for us generally, but this is also true, it's especially true uh, for the things of God. You see, many people have inherited their view of God uh, from their parents. So whatever their parents believe about God, they also believe about God. But they don't think, they don't try to investigate to see whether what they believe about God is true. And now there are many religions that all say, uh, they all say very different things about God. So how do we know which, which God is the true God? So we need to know which is the true God. Otherwise, we will be believing in a false God and we will be at the mercy of the true God. Now Matthew has made some some claims about about who God is and about Jesus in his account. So he, so far he has said that Jesus is God's appointed king uh, from from the line of David or from the, a descendant of a great king called David. And Matthew has also said that this king will will save people from their sins. And last week we we learned that the way to respond to this king is to repent. Repent meaning uh, make a U-turn from the way that we are living now. From living uh, for ourselves, living our own way to living God's way. From rebelling against God to trusting God. 
And to top it off, last week, God said some amazing things about Jesus during his baptism. So Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, it says, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So God here, he takes the microphone and he announces that Jesus is his Son. So Jesus is the Son of God. And with Jesus, God is well pleased. Now, is there any proof that Jesus is the Son of God who pleases God? Or is Jesus the kind of Son of God who will rebel against God? You see, if Jesus rebelled against God, then he really is no different from us. He needs to repent. He needs to make a U-turn back to God. And we can't trust him. So today we'll see the proof. We'll see the proof why he truly deserves the title, the Son of God. The reason is that he can fully please God. And Matthew wants you to look at this passage and be convinced for yourself that Jesus is the Son of God. So that's why straight after the baptism in chapter 3, God sends Jesus into the desert to be tested. So us to see whether Jesus will rebel against God, to see whether he is worth trusting. Okay, so chapter 3, we see him being baptized. Straight away, chapter 4, verse 1, it starts with the word, then. So he's baptized, verse 1, then Jesus was led by the Spirit to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Here's the first test, verse 2. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Oh, Jesus was hungry. Someone said, oh, this is a severe understatement. You see, fasting means to go without food or to go with very little food. And Jesus did that for 40 days and 40 nights. And what happens? Verse 3. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, when the, when the devil says to Jesus, If you are the Son of God, he's not trying to cause Jesus to doubt whether he's the Son of God. Because in chapter 3, God just announced that Jesus is the Son of God. What the devil is trying to do here is he's trying to ask, What kind of Son of God is Jesus? Is Jesus the Son of God who will rebel against God? Or is Jesus the Son of God who will trust God? If the devil succeeds, then Jesus will have rebelled against God. And Jesus is not trustworthy. And you and I, we cannot trust Jesus. Now, turn stones into bread. How does this rebel against God? But the clue for us is in Jesus' reply. So Jesus replied, in Jesus' reply, he quoted from Deuteronomy. So this is God's message to the people of Israel. So let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 8. Yeah, it's, it's there. So this is what uh, God's spokesman said to Israel. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, 
to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word comes from the mouth of the Lord. At this point, uh, when Deuteronomy was, was being spoken, the people of, the people of Israel uh, were just living as slaves uh, in Egyptian land. So what God did is God saved them from being slaves, uh, and he brought them to, he was on the, he was bringing them to the land that he promised, a good land, a promised land. And this journey from Egypt to the promised land took 40 years. And that's not all about the, the relationship. See, God has a special relationship with his people. God calls the people of Israel his son. So in Exodus, in another part of the Bible, God says, it's a uh, next slide. Then say to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says. Israel is my firstborn son. And I told you, let my, let my son go so he may worship me. So Israel has a special relationship to God in the way it's a kind of father-son uh, relationship. So they are both close, very close. And during these 40 years, God was leading his son to the promised land. During these 40 years, the people were tested. God's son, Israel, was tested to see if they would listen to God. They would obey God. And what was the result? The result is they failed time and time again. Each time they were tested, they chose to rebel against God. Even though we could call God their father, even though God just powerfully saved them from Egypt. One test, one, one test was in food. So God caused them to be hungry, uh, and then, so that they, God could give them miraculous food. Food which he could, sit, he could command to appear. Food that at his word would appear. And this miraculous food was called manna. So for 40 years, God's word or God's command to give them manna was what sustained them for 40 years from Egypt to the promised land. So all they need to do each day is to wake up, collect enough manna that's just outside, enough for the day, uh, and on every sixth day, they're supposed to collect double so that they could, they don't have to go out to collect on the seventh day, which is a day where of rest for them. So how, how did Israel respond? They didn't trust God. They didn't trust God to feed them. So every day, uh, on the, when, when it first happened, when there was manna, some people took extra. Now in case on the next day God took MC and there wouldn't be any food. And every, and on the seventh day, when there's no food, there's no manna, some of the people went out to see if there was manna. The God's son, the people of Israel, did not trust God. Now, what, what Israel experienced was also, what echoes what Jesus experienced. So Israel, the son of God, was tempted in the wilderness for 40 years. Jesus, the Son of God, was tempted in the desert or the wilderness for 40 days. So one day for each year that Israel was in the wilderness. Will Jesus fail just like Israel? Well, from what we have seen, Jesus did not. So now that we have seen Deuteronomy, we can better understand why is it 
uh, why is it that Jesus would be rebelling against God if he turned stone into bread? See, what the devil was trying to do is he's trying to uh, get Jesus to stop trusting God, stop trusting God to provide food, uh, just like Israel did. Rebel against God, uh, who sent him into the de- into a desert to fast straight after the baptism. Well, don't wait for God to provide food. Use your powers, use the Son of God powers to turn bread, uh, to stone, turn stone into bread. Now, this is a real temptation for Jesus. If we were in Jesus' position, if we were well, put in the desert to fast, I don't think we were, for me, I know I wouldn't last an hour. I'll be, I'll be starving by the, by the first hour. In fact, a side point, I, I left my wallet uh, at home uh, at, earlier this week and I was, I was going around. I, was, I couldn't last with just one meal. I had to go around. Uh, I was going around the SMU area trying to see if there was free food, like a free buffet leftovers. Yeah. So I can't last. And we, as a, we generally, we can't last that long. We would have done anything to get food if we were in the desert. We would have called a food panda, we have called McDonald's to deliver, uh, deliver pizza or whatever to us in the desert. We, so this is a temptation for Jesus because Jesus actually does have the power to turn stone to bread. He doesn't need to call, call for delivery. Later on, Jesus will open blind eyes. Jesus will stop raging storm. And Jesus will raise people from the dead. Things, all these are miracles that no human being can do. And if Jesus can do all that, surely he can turn stone into bread. Now, even though Jesus is so powerful, Jesus will not rebel against God. But it's just like this. It's just like if there was a king who told his son, son, you can, you can start driving your car, you can start driving when you reach the age of 21. But that's the law in the land, so you're doing it until you're 21. So imagine if this son got impatient and at 15 years old he decided, okay, I want to drive. So he ignores his father's instructions, ignores his father's rules, and he starts to drive. And if he does that, he is actually rebelling against his father, the king. Even though he's a prince, he has broken the king's rules. The right thing for the prince to do is to obey his father, the king. Now for Jesus, obedience means much more than the inconvenience of not being able to drive. Obedience for Jesus meant saying no. Saying no to his basic physical needs. Saying obedience meant fasting for 40 days and 40 nights and still waiting for God's word or God's command to provide food. Jesus will not rebel against God by providing his own bread. Jesus will trust God to provide at his word. And that's, that's unlike Israel, the son of God. So no one can please God except Jesus. So what kind of son of God is Jesus? Jesus is the son of God who trusts God to provide. Trusts God to provide. So now he's starting to prove uh, that he can please God, that he is a true son of God, so that we can trust him. But the devil isn't done. So he has failed well, the first temptation, but he has a backup plan. So he tries something else. He pulls out another, another plan from his pocket. 
how he quotes from God's word. So in verse 5, it says, Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Now the devil knows his Bible. The devil knows that God will protect Jesus. So if Jesus went up to the highest points of the temple and jumped down, or if he went to the the highest HDB flat and he jumps down, God will make sure that his angels will swoop down and catch Jesus before Jesus hits the ground. So that Jesus will not suffer any harm. Now this is uh, important because God sends Jesus to save his people. So so if Jesus meets a robber who tries to kill him, then Jesus can't save his people. Jesus will just die without fulfilling God's mission for him. So what the devil wants Jesus to do is the devil wants Jesus to do something suicidal to prove that God will protect him. There are two reasons why why Jesus cannot do what the devil wants. Firstly, the devil quotes the passage out of context. So the devil quotes from Psalm 91 about God protecting his people. But nowhere in this psalm uh, does God tell his people to Commit, attempt suicide so that God uh, can prove himself. Now secondly, and more importantly, Jesus, uh, the devil is trying to get Jesus to rebel, to rebel against God. So we know this because of the way Jesus replies. So verse 7, this is what Jesus says, Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Here, he, Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16, which is on the slide. Do not put the Lord your God to the test as you did at Massa. Now, Massa is a place. What happened at Massa? So at Massa, the Israelites were thirsty. They wanted water. So how did they try to get water? What they did is they wanted to get water by testing God. So the test for God is this. God, prove to, prove to us that you love us. Prove to us that you care for us. And show us that you care for us by giving us water. So this is their test. Now, God has already proven that he is with them. God has already proven that he cares for them. God has already proven that he loves them. And he shows that by by powerfully saving them from from the superpower Egypt and and bringing them to the promised land. Even though God has done all that for them, Israel... God's son failed to trust God by testing God. Giving a test in a relationship shows that there is no trust in a relationship. So imagine that there's this, uh, there's this couple that have been going out for a few years. So during, during those few years, they have done countless uh, things together. Uh, they countless dinners, uh, many flowers, many gifts. And lots of great memories. And one day, the woman goes to the the woman who is usually the more insecure one, <laughs> goes to the goes to the boyfriend and says, "Prove to me that you love me. Prove to me that you love me." So what's she doing? She's testing. She's testing her boyfriend's love for her. 
she doesn't trust in her boyfriend's love for her. But hasn't the boyfriend already shown uh, countless times over the past few years that he he truly loves her? Israel is like this untrusting woman to God. Israel tested God by putting this test at Massa. And you and I sometimes test God. See, you see, in our hearts, sometimes we, we ask God to help us to do things, to help us to get, get by certain things, and only if He does, then we will do, then we will obey Him, then we will do what He wants us to do. So we will pray things like, oh, please help me get through this difficult phase at work, or difficult phase at studies. If you do that, God, then I will, then I will go to church. Or then I will read my Bible. Then I'll tell my friends about Jesus. We too test God. Jesus, the Son of God, is not like Israel. It's not like us. Jesus will not test God. So Jesus, the Son of God, pleases God by trusting God for protection. He will not rebel against God by pushing God's limit by trying to test God to see how much God will protect him. He's a son of God who fully trusts God and will not test God. From what we've seen so far, Jesus shows that he has the credentials to please God as the true son of God. So the devil, but the devil has one more trick up up his sleeve so he aims his temptation, the next temptation, at the heart of Jesus' work, which is to be king, to be God's appointed king. So far we learned that Jesus is going to be a king. So in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, which is, uh, will be up on the slide, it says that Jesus is the son of David. So make, this means that Jesus is the one who fulfills uh, God's promises to David, that one of David's descendants will be a great king. At Matthew chapter 2, verse 2, the Magi called Jesus the king of the Jews. Now, so far in Matthew, it seems like it's just all talk. Well, Jesus is no official king, Jesus is no official uh, citizens, Jesus is no official land. So Jesus doesn't seem to be like a king. Now, God's way for Jesus to be king isn't uh, our way. You see, Jesus doesn't become a king by, by winning a presidential debate, or by uh, winning an election, Jesus' way, uh, God's way for Jesus to be king, is by suffering. So this is what Jesus says about the way that he's going to be king in Matthew chapter 16. From that time, that from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law and that he must be killed and the third day be raised to life. Suffer and be killed. Suffer and be killed. These are two things that all human beings, we try our best to avoid. But this is God's way for Jesus to be king. So what the devil does is, the devil offers a shortcut. Offers a shortcut to be king. So let's look at verse 8. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. 
So I studied marketing, so I read this. To me, the word is advertising. So imagine the devil shows, uh, shows Jesus the greatness of the Roman Empire. Now see the vastness of the great Roman Empire. See uh, the vast lands stretching north, south, east and west. Look at the magnificent uh, architecture. Look at Colosseum, the palaces. And then devil completes his sales speech in verse 9. All these I will give you, he said, if you will, bow down and worship me. Four chapters into Matthew, and Jesus already has a shortcut to become king. The greatest king. King over the whole world. So all Jesus needs to do is just a simple bow, simple worship, and he'll be king. And the book of and the book of Matthew will stop here. We can stop our series today after this sermon. We don't have to continue because Jesus will be king. Now, there are, in some, in some sense, there are two ways to live for Jesus. Two ways to be king. One way is God's way: suffer and be killed. The devil's way: bow and worship. So, which should Jesus choose? So let's look at verse 10. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So Jesus just missed the opportunity of a lifetime. Why did he do that? Why did he say no to the devil? Because Jesus cannot worship Satan. He cannot. So Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the people around you. For the Lord your God, who is among you, is a jealous God, and his anger will burn against you, and he will destroy you from the face of the land. Even though Israel was supposed to have a special relationship with God, even though Israel was God's son, Israel worshipped countless of other gods. In fact, just months after they left Egypt, just months after that, they started worshipping golden statues, golden calves. And when they reached the promised land, they worshipped the gods, all the gods of the peoples around them. And this made God very angry. And God punished them severely, time, time and time again. In fact, the first time at the golden calf incident, they almost got wiped out. We are like Israel too. We, we too are prone to wander from God. So what we do is that we take the good things that God has given us and we make them gods to rival God himself. So we take some of these good things that God has given us and we give them, we submit to them, we surrender authority to run our lives to these things. like Things like other gods, things like other good things, our work, or other people, our hobbies. All we surrender control of our lives to these things rather than God, who rightly deserves to control our lives. Now we, like Israel, we too deserve to be destroyed. So if Jesus worshipped if Jesus worshipped Satan, 
just like just like uh, Israel and just like all of us, or just like all of us not worshipping the true God, then God will not be pleased with Jesus. And Jesus, then God will have contra- God, God will have made a mistake in chapter three when he said that, oh, in Jesus he is well pleased. No, in fact, Jesus, God will do God will do the opposite thing. God will destroy him. This shortcut will be deadly for Jesus. So if Jesus and if Jesus bowed down to the devil, it means that the devil is more powerful than Jesus. And Jesus can never defeat the devil. And Jesus can never destroy sin. Jesus can only be king through God's way. Suffer and be killed. No shortcuts. And God's way is the painful and humiliating death on the cross. And after three days, to be raised to life. So only by this way can Jesus be the perfect king who fully submits, who fully listens, who fully obeys God. It's only after this happens that Matthew can end in chapter 28 with this, with this verse, in verse 18. It's only after all this happens that Jesus can say, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Because only after Jesus has faced the cross that he can become king. Because Jesus is perfect, because Jesus is sinless, he's the only one who deserves to be king. So he's God's appointed king over Israel and over all humanity, over all of us. Now, what does this passage mean for us? For some of us, uh, we'll use Jesus' model here uh, in facing temptation. So we see how Jesus faced temptation, and each time, what he does is he quotes uh, God's word, he quotes the Bible. So if we are faced with sexual temptation, okay, we will remember that 2 Corinthians says that our body is the temple, or 1 Corinthians says that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and we cannot defile this temple with sexual sins. Or maybe if we are uh, faced with the temptation to be dishonest, then we remember the ninth commandment, which says that we that you shall not uh, bear, bear false testimony. Using a Bible is a great way to fight sin. But if you notice in this passage, the focus of the passage is not on you and I. It's not on how we fight sin, but it's on the king facing temptation. So why why does Jesus need to why is, why does it why is it written here that the King Jesus needs to face temptation? And why is it written why is it written at such an early point of Jesus' ministry? Or before he has healed anyone, before he has taught anything? Because this shows what is most important to God. That Jesus that King Jesus is pleasing to God, that King Jesus fully trusts God, that King Jesus fully obeys God. The devil tempted Jesus three times, and three times Jesus does not give in. Jesus does not give in to rebel against God. So Jesus is the Son of God who pleases God, who trusts God, and he is the King who worships God alone. That's why he can be the son of David and the son of Abraham in Matthew chapter 1. So the son of David means that he is 
this king who will rule forever and he can save us from our sins. Son of Abraham means that he's a sinless offspring, a sinless descendant of David of Abraham who will give us God's blessing. Now this passage isn't just the devil tempting you know, yet another human being like you and I. So what but what happens here has implications for all of us, for all humanity. Now I've I've repeatedly said how uh, Israel faced temptation at each time they gave in to rebelling against God. But this but rebellion is a wider problem for all of us. Because the first human beings, Adam and Eve, they also gave in uh, to rebelling against God. Oh, they, they faced the devil and they too rebelled against God. Rebellion is, hum- is our problem, is humanity's problem. But Jesus was able to do what no one in history could do, what no one in the past could do, what no one now can do, and no, no one in the future can ever do. Jesus could please God. Jesus could fully obey God. So that's why, that's why, friends, you and I need to trust Him. We, you and I need to trust this perfect King to save us from our sins, to save us from our rebellion. So if, if King Jesus has saved you, then submit to Jesus as your King. Listen to King Jesus. Don't listen to the devil anymore. Because Jesus has faced the devil and he has remained sinless. And if you don't, and if you haven't come to Jesus as your King, don't ignore him. Seize the opportunity before it's too late. Quickly trust Jesus as your King to save you from sin. And I hope uh, for for us this week, uh, you can we can reflect uh, on these two questions from the passage. Uh, what can I trust Jesus? And if I trust, if I trust in Jesus, what difference would it make to my life? Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information visit us online at busypc.sg.